0: All right, we're going to wrap it up together in prayer. Father, thank you for this time. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the fellowship that we have in Christ. God, you, you traded your son. He shed his blood to buy the church. And Lord, here we are, the most valuable thing on the planet. The only thing more valuable than the blood of Christ is the people who are the called out assembly who have said yes to you. God, I thank you for Oriyama. And in her baptism this morning, and just the public testimony, Lord, where she just trusted you to say yes to to your thing there, and we thank you for that. God, we just ask for your blessing upon our time together this morning. We love you. We thank you and pray these things in Jesus' name, Amen, Amen. So it's good to see everybody. We 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 just got back from vacation, so we're kind of beat up and tired physically, but we're refreshed emotionally. So uh, we went and stayed in a cabin up in the mountains, and it was beautiful, and it wasn't even hot. It was really nice. But I'll tell you what, there is no place I'd rather be than here with you guys. It just, all week long, I'm just going through our vision update and how we're going to plant a church in Denver. I mean, that's all week, my mind, I was trying to, I bought a novel that I was going to read on vacation, because that's the thing. It's gonna go away and it's just brain candy, right? I don't have to do medicine for a while. I'm not running things, ministry. I'm just gonna go. And I, I got halfway through the book and it's like I like I figure out where they're going in the end, and it's just boring. After doing what God has called us to do, after meeting Jesus, everything else in life is boring. I don't know if you've got to that point yet, but it's good to get away, but we are refreshed. Oriyama, I thank God for you. Oriyama just got baptized. Now, we're actually not going to be able to watch it on live stream because they're live streaming the first service right now. And then on the second service, which is literally live stream, we missed it because we had the first one up. So, but it it was just awesome. She did great. She went under. She came back up. And it was like, uh... yeah, praise the Lord. So. Okay, so what this is right now, okay, so we've got a vision update. So at the beginning of the year, the beginning of 2021, we made some goals that we're trusting God for. I don't know if you remember that or not, if you were here for that or not, but I want to review the vision that we're trusting God for in 2021. And we're just going to review those goals this morning. Next week, we're going to God for those things because there's a whole thing we need to understand and then and then week three is how we're trusting God for that so it's one thing I I ask people all the time I'm like hey do you trust God oh yes okay how do you trust God and here's the answer I can't say 100% of the time but I think it's like 100% of the time (laughs) okay I have to stay in vision sorry okay do you trust God yes I trust God how do you trust God well I just do no, I know you do. That was the first question. Do you trust God? Yes. But how do you trust God? Like what does it actually look like to trust God? Okay. Week 3, as a class, we're going to put we're going to put structure to it. Okay? We're going to this is how I'm trusting God. This is how I am making disciples. This is So week 3 is going to be super fun. It's going to be super practical. And then week 4 is going to be all about prayer. We want to be a prayer-powered ministry. Amen. Okay, so first thing we're trusting God for, number one is our families, trusting God for our families. We have been praying for you. We have been praying for your families. And I can just look out here and I can say, yeah, we prayed for your son. We prayed for your brother. We prayed for your family. We did that. As, and, and we're trusting God to work in our families. That's one thing we're praying for. Okay, why? Well, okay, there's, there's some things you can't do alone, Lone Ranger Christian person. Like, like there's things you can't do alone where two or three are gathered. So God answers the prayers of that guy, that lady in the prayer closet. Absolutely, we should all do that. But also there's power in prayer when it's corporate prayer, when our brothers and sisters are praying with us fervently specifically deliberately praying for families you can't just do that by yourself sometimes that family prayer you guys honestly sometimes that is an unbearable burden i think i think my brother is going back in to prison okay we've been praying for him for how long since he was 12 he's now you know his my my niece She's in trouble. She's in the foster care system. We, I, I listen. I, I need you guys praying with me because sometimes it's kind of an unbearable burden. If you have a spouse, if you have a child, if you have a parent who's lost, how do you bear that? Well, listen, let's bear it together. Let me show, get, get under there. I can carry some of that load. We can pray together and we can take that burden and we can deposit it boldly at the throne of grace to find help in need. Now, you can't do that by yourself very well. You can't stand up in the middle of the service. Like, what if I would have stood up right in the middle of the service and interrupted Sam and said, hey, 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 can you all pray for my brother? Like, the ushers would have come. Wyatt would have come and escorted me out, you know. Uh, Because you can't do that in the middle of a congregation of two or 300 people. And you can't do that by yourself. But you know what we can do as a fellowship? We can pray together. And it's not like you have to put stuff out there. But that's one thing we can do as a fellowship that you can't do by yourself and you can't do in the middle of the congregation. That's what fellowships are for. And one thing that we're trusting God for is praying for our families. God is answering that prayer. I thank God for that. Okay. But we're not doing a very good job of, of having a structure which facilitates that, honestly. Like, yes, I'm praying for Hunter when I remember, right? I prayed for Nathan this morning on the way to church. I pray for your kids and your spouses when I remember. But you know what we haven't done a very good job of, okay, as a fellowship is had consistent small groups where it is structured and it is specific. And it's, does that make sense? You guys, we can do better. So here's how we can do better. We can be more hopeful. Sometimes we despair. I've been praying for Zach for 30 years. The guy still hasn't learned, and I'm so mad, and I'm so disappointed, and it's hopeless. And then Tim comes on and goes, hey, no, 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 listen, it's not hopeless. Let me, let me give you a testimony of, of something. Let me show you it's not hopeless. God can do it. Let's, let me come along and encourage you, and we can pray together so we can be more hopeful. We can be more specific. The blind man is like, Jesus, help me. What did Jesus say? What do you want well isn't it obvious well no god wants us to be specific in our prayers so that when he answers them we'll remember to think like oh yeah okay so we need to be more hopeful we need to be more specific and more deliberate in that so in week three we'll be talking about what our small groups actually need to look like don't do discipleship in your small groups Okay. don't talk about mustangs in your small group Maybe you can. But, but anyway, we want to make sure we cover what we need to cover in our small groups. Okay, number two, we're praying for couples. Now, that sounds like a, a weird thing that we're trusting God for in 2021. But as I look out, I see a lot of couples. God is answering that prayer. Now, why would we pray for couples? Why, like you're hating on single people. No, I'm not. Listen, it's just words stacked with single people. We've got that. But in order to reach couples, we need couples. Okay, And then the other thing is just like Sam preached today. It is not good that man should be alone. Now we need to balance that with 1 Corinthians chapter 7 where Paul says, you know, I'd rather you were all like me. I would rather that you were single. There, you know, you don't have to worry about your spouse. Like if I didn't have Christine, I could just live in a, you know, a, what do you call them, a, a a half wheel on the other side of the you know it, is that what's called? Fifth wheel, fifth wheel. I could just live like I wouldn't need much. I don't need all that stuff that Chris but you know what? without Christine, I wouldn't be standing here. I am pretty needy. And Christine is like this super warrior help me. And all the work that I create, she just kind of makes sure everything's legal and in line and moving in the right direction. I don't forget everything and offend everybody all the time. Anyone else like that? Like, you? yeah, okay. Yeah, so like I'm somebody who does not have the gift of singleness. I would not be able to do what I do without Christine. It is not good that Chris should be alone. Like my Shoes would be on backwards. I mean, it would be real. I'm just, I can't, I okay. We need to reach couples, but also God's design. Now, now, some people, you're better off single. Praise God, stay single. But the the design, taking, you know, allowing for that exception, is that you'll get more done with a husband and a wife who are both doing the same thing in ministry. Okay, so so we we've been praying for couples. Now, God is answering that prayer. I see a lot of couples in here that weren't here in January when we started praying for that, okay? We've got couples who were, you are online, now you're back. And so, man, I thank God he is answering that prayer. However, I still can't help but just think, knowing the Bible, knowing God's design, there's still some people who aren't here that should be. And here's what I think we need to do. I think we need to have clarity and boldness in our communication. So we don't want to play the role of the Holy Spirit in someone else's life. You're not the Holy Spirit in your spouse's life, but you can at least say it once, listen, I'm praying for you to come join us. And then let the Holy Spirit work. Like don't nag people that you're not going to fix them. But you can with clarity and with boldness, just let that family number and this is part of the family, I mean the couple, but you can let them know if they're not here, hey, I'm trusting God for you to be here to come join us in this thing that God's doing. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay, number three, the the, the last three things here that we're trusting God for, and it's really four, but they, it all falls under great commission. Great commission discipleship, okay? So the first one is salvations. Anyone know who John Moffat is? Anyone heard of John Moffat? John Moffat was a missionary. And John Moffat went and he's the guy that said, I have seen over time and across different plains the smoke of a thousand villages where the name of Christ is not known. He's promoting missions in in other countries, is what John Moffat was doing when he gave that sermon. There was a guy there, a doctor there, whose name was David Livingston. And David Livingston heard John Moffat talk about the smoke from the village, a thousand fires from these villages where the name of Christ had never been named. And David Livingston couldn't sleep. Okay. Well, there's six billion lost people on the planet. Six billion lost people on the planet. and Most of us sleep just fine. And and so we're trusting God for salvations because that's God's will. That's God's heart. God looked down and he was moved by mercy. He was moved by pity and to see with spiritual eyes. So one thing we presented back in, in, in January, when we were here, there was 21 of us here during the COVID days and and we said, can we trust God for 21 salvations? Okay, okay, how many lost people on the planet? Okay, can we reach 21? Okay, the smoke of a thousand fires. I look across Midtown, I look across my neighborhood, and I see house after house after house after house. And I know for a fact. I think there's one, maybe two others on my block. People who know Christ. The others don't. Like, like we need to kind of. Okay, so this is not about numbers. Okay, this is about understanding. If it was about numbers. And we said, okay, God, we see 21. I'm sorry, we see 6 billion lost people. And we want to reach, let's see, how many? So, like, am I okay with, I didn't do the math. Okay, 5 billion, 900 million, like, whatever's left. Like, am I okay with all those people dying? And then, no, 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 I'm not okay with that. It's not a, listen, here's our understanding. How many can we reach? I don't think we can reach more than 21 as a group of 21 if we're going to do this thing biblically, and here's why. Because the, the second thing is discipleship, okay? I'm sorry, the second one's baptism. Then we'll get to discipleship. Okay, the, the, the blank is it's not about numbers, it's about what can we do. Well, 21, Chris, that's a pitifully low, that's a terrible goal. That leaves the vast, I know, no, it's not just about numbers, but what can we do? Can, how many can we reach? Okay, so baptisms. We're, this is the believer's declaration by public immersion after salvation. We have a wonderful example. Oriyama just got baptized. Believer's baptism is by immersion after salvation. So that's what she did this morning. Now, we're trusting God for 21 baptisms in 2021. Did you know that as a church, in 2012, we trusted God for 212 baptisms in, in 2012 as a church? Who was here? Anybody remember that? Okay. We put that silly, specific number on it. We just wanted it to be something bigger than we could possibly do so that we could point back at it, okay, like George Mueller, and say, hey, guys, look what God did, because it's impossible. Guess how many baptisms we had in 2012? Exactly. 212. Exactly what we trusted God for, exactly what we prayed for, is what God gave us. He's like, Yeah, I'm, just ask. Okay, but listen, there, there's more to it. The, the Great Commission is discipleship, not just evangelism, not baptism, but there's that last part in the Great Commission. You can turn to Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. I'm with you. All power in heaven and earth is given unto me. Go ye therefore, teach all nations. That's evangelism. Okay, hey, come, uh, baptize them. Okay. That's how you join the church and then teach them whatsoever things I've commanded you. So baptism on our handout, that's traditionally how you join the church. That's how you know who's in. And I love this picture because if you look up here at this thing, the picture shows the government standing there watching. And it shows two groups of people, one on either side of the river. So it's like, hey, and are you going to come from here with your family with your home, with what you know from your place in the world, you're going to come down, you're going to get baptized, and you're going to go stand with the believers. So you made a public declaration, Oriama, this morning, and to the church, and to the spiritual world, to everybody watching, you said, I'm, I'm standing over there now. There's a lot of countries in India, they celebrate baptisms, but it's a big deal. Because as soon as you get baptized in India, you're making a public declaration that I'm no longer part of the Hindi caste system. So guess what? You just dropped off the social structure down to brickmaker, maker, street, street sweeper. Now more so in the rural areas than some of the cities are more westernized and, and things, but it's a really big deal because you're making that public declaration. Okay, so baptism, It's my way of saying, I'm in, I'm in. Now it's an act of obedience because God said to do it on my part and on your part. You can't do it without me, I can't do it without you. But it's an act of obedience on both of our part but it's a way of saying, I'm in. Okay, that's one thing we wanna figure out in this series. Who's in, like who's in, like if we had a jersey Like, if we're a football team, we'd all have a a jersey. We'd come in, we'd put on our, our, and you would know who's on your, like, that's one thing we want to figure out. And we'll be talking more about that in weeks to come. Okay, but then back to the mission, discipleship. Our mission is discipleship, and that's how we summarize that whole thing. And we'll talk more about that next week, because that's kind of the why of everything. Did you hear the story about the president visiting NASA? The president's visiting NASA and the janitor's there and and mopping the floor, okay? President says, oh, hi there. He's just being like nice and, you know, humble leader. What are you doing? The janitor said, putting a man on the moon. That's what I'm doing. He knew he had a part in the mission. If the place doesn't get clean... Things aren't going to work right. There's going to be distraction. There's going to be problems. That guy wasn't just sweeping a floor or mopping a floor. He was putting a man on the moon. Does that make sense? Yes. For us as a class, discipleship is the mission. Evangelism, baptism, the, the, some sort of structure which we have in place to make disciples. We all are here to fulfill that mission. That is our purpose, and we want a purpose-driven life, if I might steal that. Okay, one of our goals is that everybody in this class will be able to say, I am a part of making disciples by fill in the blank, whatever it is. And we'll talk about this coming up. God has gifted you to do that. Okay, let's do it. You know, we have an Arabic speaking church to plant in Kansas City. We need to figure out how we're going to do that by the grace of God, we're going to do it. It won't be because we didn't try, okay? We've got a lot of work to do. Let, let's, let's jump in. Okay, so discipleship. God is answering our prayer. Who, who's a part of discipleship right now in terms of just the lessons? Okay, a lot of us. You are? <laughs> okay. Man, God's answering this prayer. But I think we need to be focused. Sometimes we can lose focus. In the early days of Midtown, we made all of our ministry leaders, we made all of our ministry leaders literally fill in that blank. Okay, They had to come up with their own mission statement that said, here in Tuesday night meal, kid town, praise and worship, transportation, new members class, choir, whatever, ministry that the, the, they had, they had to do this. In Kid Town, we are making disciples by, and then fill in the blank. We are making disciples by teaching kids and helping families. Now, if you can't fill in the blank that your, your ministry is actually making disciples, then you need to quit doing that Because the whole mission is to make disciples. So we are doing that. And I thank God he's answering that prayer. But we do need to stay focused. That is the mission. Don't let anything trip you up from being a part of that. It doesn't mean you're the person teaching the lessons. Okay, There's other ways to be involved, but we all need to be involved with that. Okay, so the last one, number four, is growth. All right, we're trusting God. There are 21 of us. In in January, and we're trusting God to double to 42. We'll talk about why 42 next week. It's not just arbitrary. I mean, it is nice that it was it, it is 2021 and we started with 21. I mean that's that's handy, but but what we're doing is we're trusting God for 42 followers of Christ in the living well class. Now that that's the result of these other things. Okay, and that's what we need to look at in the word this morning, okay? And we're trusting God for living Well class to grow biblically, okay? Now, not just transfer growth. Now, there's nothing wrong with transfer growth. In other words, if someone wants to come from another church and God brings them here because we've been praying for couples or laborers in the field, we're not gonna turn them away, amen? But listen, here's God's heart. Listen, here's God's heart. You're gonna win someone to Christ, and that's going to be fruit to your account. Somebody that you are now a father or a mother in the faith to this person that you just simply prayerfully shared the gospel with them, they got saved. Now, here's their their first question is going to be, well, like, what do I do now? Here's your answer. Come and see. Come join us. Come take the Costa Discipleship class, and we'll get signed up, and I'll teach you whatsoever things the Lord has commanded us to live. And so that's, that's what we're trusting God for, not just for people to come. We're trusting God that you and I, listen, can be used of God to win someone who's lost to Christ and then become a at least a mentor to that person and disciple them. That's what we want. That's what we're trusting God for. Okay, so turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Are you guys with me so far? You got your blanks filled in and all that? Which one did we miss? Salvation. Oh, yeah, yeah. We need a burden and understanding. I can't even think about 6 billion lost people, really. I mean... You can't get your head around that number, but what we need is understanding. It's not about the numbers. It's about what can we do. That's what, any, any other blanks? Yeah, you just leave that one blank. I mean, it is a blank, but you can fill it in if you're already doing that. We just want everyone to be able to fill in that blank. How are you a part of making disciples? Because that's the whole mission. We are the church. Members in particular. The church has been given a mission. Oh, wait a minute. I've been given a mission. How am I fulfilling that? Yeah, so, okay. So here's what we're looking at now. Ephesians chapter 4, 1 through 16. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. And this is our first point. You are called. Okay. If you didn't know that you've been called, now you know, Okay. Now, how do I work worthy of this calling? How do you work worthy of this calling? Do you have to get your doctorate in divinity? Do you have to be awesome? Do you have to learn all the big words that you would learn in seminary? Is that how we do it? I memorize my entire New Testament? Is that? No, no, no. Here's how you walk worthy of your calling. Ready? With lowliness and meekness, with long suffering. That's why I preach so long. I just want you guys to suffer so that you can be godly. Okay. Forbearing one another in love. Oh, my goodness. Here's how you walk worthy. You walk like Christ walked, who was God who became man, that we might get to do this, be here. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Okay. Here's why we would walk like that. Verse 4. There's one body, one spirit, even as you are called in the hope, one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Don't miss the point. You have the same calling that I have. You have the same calling that I have. I have the same calling that you have. Don't call God a liar. He says, you're called, there's one hope, there's one calling, there's one God, there's one body, there's one spirit. Don't miss the point. We're all called to the same thing. We're going to see what that is in just a minute. But if you're saved, you're called, okay? You were never meant to keep your faith to yourself, to get a ticket to heaven and then go live like hell. You were never meant to do that. We're always supposed to be part of his plan. That's what he wants for us. That's so exciting, you guys. I have a mission that's worth laying my life down for. Life would be so boring if I didn't have that. Okay, but we're called. Letter B, this is verse 7 through 16. You're not only called, you're gifted. So God wasn't, he didn't call you to something and then just let you go flop around and struggle. Okay, praise and worship this morning. Mike Kinneycutt is gifted on the drums. That, that rolls of thunder. And then Mike's like, Brr. that's awesome. I don't know anyone else who could really do that like that. I know I couldn't. I'm not gifted like that, right? So God didn't just call Mike and then leave him to like, good luck. <laughs> like kick him over there to play drums with two left hands or, or something. <laughs> he called him and then he gifted him to do that what she has called him to do. Okay, God has called you. Do you see that in this passage? Okay, well, let's read the next part because you need to see that he's gifted you for a purpose. Verse seven, but unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. That grace he's talking about, that measure that he's talking about is the spiritual gift that he's given you. Wherefore he saith, when he ascendeth up on high, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts unto man. Verse nine, we've got this parenthetical thing here. Now that he ascended, Christ lifted up, he ascended. What is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above the heavens that he might fill all things. Okay, so Jesus came. He died for our sins. He actually went down into hell, which composed of two different parts in that time. You can see about this in like Luke chapter 16, for example. But then he didn't stay there. He went down and he declared victory. He preached to those that were in chains and then to all those who by grace in the Old Testament trusted in God. He's like, all right, you guys ready? Let's go. And graves were opened. There was an earthquake. He ascended. Now, when he ascended, he he took his spirit with him. He took his voice with him. He took his body with him. He replaced his body with the... Body of Christ, which is a local church. He replaced his words with the word of God and he replaced his spirit with the Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit, which came down in, in Acts chapter 2, and that Holy Spirit, which indwells us and seals us when we're saved, is the means through which we're gifted by God. So when you were born again, you might not look any different physically, but in that time, you were gifted spiritually to fulfill the calling that he gave you. You're like, wait, 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 Chris. You said the calling is the same for everybody. It is, but the gifting is different. Okay, let's keep reading. He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. He starts with the structure of the church so that people would know, like you're not supposed to just take your gift. And then just go run around with it. There there is a structure to this thing. Okay, so part of Wagi's job as he builds out the Arabic speaking fellowship out of living well, he's incubating a fellowship within this fellowship. Okay, but part of his job is the perfecting of the saints, the work of the ministry, and the edifying of the body of Christ as a pastor, as a leader of that group. That's his job. Okay, he has to look at verse 12 and say, okay, I'm going to do verse 12, so we end up with verse 16, but we'll get there, okay? Verse 13, till we all come into the unity of the faith, unto the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, until we all as a group mature. Verse 14, that we, plural, you and me, together, okay, be henceforth no more children. I don't want to be a child spiritually anymore. I kind of want to grow up spiritually, okay? Well, then we can't be tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of man and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. All you have to do is go on YouTube okay, and start watching preachers on YouTube. Okay? And they all sound fine. Okay? You'll notice they don't agree with each other. And you'll notice the one thing they have in common, not, not, not all of them. You can see our stuff on YouTube. But there is no shortage of false teaching out there that sounds really good on the surface. But really, they're just trying to lie in wait to deceive. They're trying to just toss people to and fro and to and fro and back and forth. And people that get caught up in this. Okay, so I I was I was in Denver over the weekend and MBT is looking at I'm sorry, it's last week. We're looking at planning a church in Denver. And the guy who was showing us around, the guy we're going to be partnering with, the Planet Church in Denver, he's like, well, yeah, but these guys, they believe that, and these guys believe that, and these guys believe this. I'm like, okay, Rob, okay. You don't have time to go have theological arguments with everybody. If you're going to make disciples in Planet Church, it's going to take everything we've got. I know what I believe, okay, and I don't mind having discussions with people about different theological viewpoints and all that kind of stuff. I, I, I don't mind doing that. But I'll tell you, by the time I'm done making disciples and studying God's word and doing the work of the ministry and focusing on the perfecting of the saints and the edifying of the body of Christ, I really don't have a lot of time left to worry about who's right and wrong because God's given us a mission and I've got to be about my father's business. So I'm not saying it doesn't matter. It does matter, absolutely, and what your doctrine will determine your practice. It does matter, but you guys, we, we've got a world to win for Christ. We can't sit around and argue about nth degree doctrinal issues that, that frankly, it, you're not going to probably argue anyone into the kingdom of God, if we're honest about it. Okay, but here's what we do. So, so we don't have to worry about everything else that everyone else is doing or how they perceive us. Let's just grow up, let's mature, let's take the gifting we've been given and the calling that we've been given and do the work of the body of Christ. Here's how we do it, verse 16, but speaking the truth and love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. So Christ, the perfect head, we just need to be a body that goes around doing the work that, like my brain tells me what to do and my body does it. Christ is the head. He's the one. He's like, okay, here's what I want you to do. It's called discipleship. You're all called. Everyone's a part of the body. Okay? Different parts. Like, like, there's better parts and worse parts of the body. Like, you know, I don't know. I, I won't make any jokes, Aaron, about like what part of the body you might be. I won't do that. Okay? But listen. We're all called. We're all parts of the body. You're all gifted. We need every part working together. Verse 16, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth. Okay, don't miss that part. Whole body. Everybody. None of the body gets to be dead weight. Okay, sometimes people are missing part of the body. I'm missing part of my body. Okay? I don't have my pinky. I'm not as functional as I was when I had my pinky. Okay, it's actually kind of limiting sometimes. All right. Sometimes people have a body part that doesn't work right. Let's say I have a stroke and my left leg doesn't work right. My leg is there, but it's not functional. My body would not be Ephesians 4:16 in that case because it, like, I don't have the whole body. Part of it's missing. Okay. Well, compacted and. and joined together by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working and the measure of every part. Okay, so if my left leg, because of a stroke, doesn't work, I'm not as effective because that part is not connected in a functional way. We all, that's a clear, we all get that, right? This is what God's saying, talking about you guys, and you're the pinky, or you're the left leg, you're the neck, you're the eyes, you're the ears, you're the The arm, the strength, you're the legs, the the thing that gets it done. Okay, that's you. And so what God is saying is as this body comes together and as everybody does their part, as they're gifted, look at what happens in the end of verse 16. Here's Here's the big thing. Maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. So listen, you're called. You're gifted, you need to be connected because it's the joints which allow motion, which allow movement. The arm and the forearm without the elbow can't get anything done. It's where those things come together, compacted and fitly joined together. So here's, here's how this fits into our vision update. Okay, God, it's us, the living well class. We're just a small group here in the midst of a COVID pandemic. We want to trust you for something that we can't do. God, would you answer our prayers for our families? God's like, yeah. You're not being very specific and deliberate in your praying. So I'll be faithful, but are, are, are you going to actually pray like you believe this? Is? Okay. Hey, God, we're going to pray for couples. God's like, yeah, okay, but but what are you going to do with them if I – like like. God, we want to pray for salvation. So he goes, yeah, 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 that's my will. What can you do? How are you structured? Are all the members in? Are you, do you know that you're called and you're gifted? Is everybody fitly joined together and compacted? Do we have our, okay, don't miss it. God, we're asking you for these things. And he's like, yeah, okay, I'll do my part but I'm going to do a work in you to bring you to a point where you will, verse 16, make increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. In other words, yes, I will do a work in you and through you. Has anyone here ever, you you prayed like, oh God, I... I just want you to do this thing for me. And he's like, okay, yeah, but first I'm going to do a thing in you. God changed my circumstances. Oh, I'm going to change you. (laughs) Anyone ever have that happen? Okay. Guys, that's what God's doing for us as a class. Honestly, as well-intentioned as we are, I, I think we're maybe not fitly joined and compacted. I think maybe if we're going to grow, it's because God's going to have us edify ourselves as we speak the truth in love, fitly joined and compacted by that which every joint supplies. This is super exciting, you guys. I believe completely God is about to answer all of our prayers. I went down to Tampa, Florida, where where I talked to Mark Schaefer. So Mark Schaefer is in this church that he rents from the Korean church. We've been doing that for the last seven, eight years, whatever it's been. And so I went down there, and and we were in service, and they had enough room in their building. Okay. And here's what Mark said. Were you there? Yeah, Yeah, Mark took Christine and I out to this field, and he goes, I'm trusting God for this field for us to buy because we're going to be out of room this year. We're like, wait, you had... You had room. He goes, no, 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 you don't understand. We just had a bunch of people graduate from D2. I now have a core group of disciples. We can now double. In other words, God had to do a work in Living Faith Tampa to get them to the point where they could handle the salvations. Before God could give them the salvations, because remember, the goal is not evangelism. The goal is discipleship. And what we need to do is mature to grow together. Quit being tossed to and fro by everyone a doctrine. Let's just be about the mission he's given us. And then we does that make sense. So here's the exciting thing. We prayed to God. We set forth these goals. God, here's vision. It's only something you can do. He's like, oh, just wait and see. We're going to come through this thing, a functional unit within Midtown Baptist Temple. So here's, God is answering our prayers, okay? But God wants us to be a functional fellowship. Because remember, it's not about numbers. 21 out of 6 billion, we're going to trust God for. Okay, listen, let's trust God to become a functional fellowship. And he could turn the world upside down. As you fully use your gifts, whether it's teaching, whether it's evangelism, whether it's discipleship, whether it's supporting something financially, whether it's being a Bible study leader, whether it's doing hospitality. Listen, you are gifted by God. And if you're not plugged in, you're not functional. We don't have Ephesians chapter 4, 16. So here's what I want to do. I want to just take some time. Um, we we've got time left. This is our vision update. This is what we're trusting God for, for God to work in your family and my family. We're going to get more deliberate, specific, and hopeful in that we're trusting God for couples pray. Okay. For our visitors. Hey, is this where Am I, am I here? Because I'm an answer to prayer. Pray, pray, come, come and see. Okay. For those of you who I know I've talked to, to some of you, um, man, just keep trusting God. For your spouse don't nag them don't try to be the holy spirit in their life but you can clearly and boldly just let them know what we're trusting god for for our salvations baptisms discipleship we will grow into functionality as we're trusting god for that so we'll we'll break up um, small groups anything else discussion wise any anyone else have any thoughts about this no okay Let's break up. Let's pray for ten minutes, and then I'll dismiss us at noon. Okay. Um, I think we can. Christine, you can maybe help help break up into in small groups. So, and then maybe Scott, you can. Scott and Marla, do you want to do a? We could do a couples small group right back here, That's, and then we could do a guys group up here, ladies group. Christine.